another episode of the RLI Leadership Insider Podcast. This is Scott Pierce with the American College of Radiology, and today I am joined by a special guest, Kurt Shoppe, who is a radiologist at the Radiology Associates of North Texas, um, and his role there is the chair of the Quality and Safety Committee, uh, but he is also the ACR Ruck Advisor, as well as the chair of the Reimbursement and Practice Expense Committee here at the American College of Radiology. Kurt, thank you very much for joining us today. I appreciate it. Great to be here. So one of the key goals of the RLI is to really help radiologists understand the business of radiology and medicine better uh, in order to give them the tools to shape the business and to thrive in new payment and practice models. Uh, so with that said, can you explain your role as a RUC advisor and what exactly that is? Sure. And, and that's a bit of a layered explanation. And so I think first we need to look at what the RUC is uh, and, and how that works. And so the RUC is the Relative Value Scale Update Committee, and it's part of the American Medical Association. So its task is to maintain what is called the RBRVS, or the Resource-Based Relative Value Scale. That's all the CPT codes and all those codes values. And so any service provided by physicians can be described through those CPT codes. And so the RUC takes new CPT codes or existing CPT codes through a formalized evaluation process. And the goal is finding an RBU. That's the relative value unit. Uh, and so my job as the advisor uh, for the ACR is to lead this process both through the ACR and to coordinate with other radiology societies. And so when new or screened existing codes need to be valued or revalued, we manage the process. And so we'll lead a survey of radiologists to, to, to find out, you know, how long it takes them to perform certain procedures, you know, what kind of risks they have, and specifically ask those physicians to compare those uh, procedures to others within, the, uh, within their code sets. And so then we take that data, analyze it, and then we make presentations to the RUC as part of determining the RVUs for those codes. And now an important thing to understand is that the RUC, while it makes recommendations to Medicare, Medicare is the final arbiter for any RVU value uh, to be achieved. And so my job as the advisor is to lead this valuation process and to make those recommendations uh, and then represent us at Medicare whenever we have payment policy or value issues with specific codes or uh, in general. Great. So it sounds like it's um, kind of a cavernous and maybe a little bit uh, difficult from the outside looking in. So if, with that in mind, could you kind of explain a little bit more about the structure of RUC and how that works and therefore why it's so important that ACR have representation there and how it works within that structure? Sure. And so the, the RUC itself is a, a representative panel of mostly physicians and a few non-physician providers, and they have other representation from stakeholders, including Medicare, uh, the CPT panel, and a few others. And so it's 31 members, 28 of them are voting members. There's both specialty and primary care uh, members. There's, uh, depending on how you consider primary care, there's five to seven primary care members on the 28 panel uh, voting group. Radiology does have a permanent seat on the RUC, and that's currently occupied by Zeke Silva. Previously, it was Geraldine McGinty and then Bib Allen before her. Uh, and so the RUC panel member, while they can vote on radiology codes and values, they can't advocate uh, for their specialty, and nor can any other 
RUC member advocate for their specific specialty, that's the job of the advisor, and that's where I come in. And so the reason that we want or need representation on this body is because radiology is a large part of medicine, and we're a significant component of spending. And so the, the, these codes get a lot of attention. And then though we, we all work in healthcare and we all went through med school and training and have worked with other physicians and other specialties, that doesn't mean we all understand the details and nuance of each other's jobs. And so the RUC process is one with a, a combined panel that we can delve into the details of these procedures to find, and that's the key word here, find the relative value in physician work because it must compare across specialties to achieve some measure of fairness. And so this, this RUC body in determining RVUs those are, or making recommendations on RVUs to Medicare, those RVUs filter through not just Medicare patients, but many, if not most of your other private insurer patients throughout the country because most contracts uh, are constructed as a multiple of Medicare, well, a fraction or a multiple depending on the contract. And so just the Medicare process touches all other payment processes in the, uh, in the healthcare systems. So essentially, without ACR's representation within RUC and then you obviously being the advisor to go ahead and, and, and advocate for the profession, uh, Radiology would basically their their reimbursement rates would be at the mercy of what other uh, specialists and uh, primary care would want to set their rates at. Is that correct? Yes, and in essence, this is a shining example of if you're not at the table, then you're on the menu. Perfect. Yeah. Um, so you, you mentioned uh, Zeke Silva. He's kind of got a famous saying or a presentation. He talks about how a dictation becomes a dollar. Um, so could you kind of walk through that a little bit to help all of us understand a little bit better about the entire process of, of you know, it actually coming back to the radiologist um, from the moment a patient walks in uh, until, you know, discharge from the hospital or, or however that whole process works, kind of all the steps along the way. And then therefore how that actually ends up um, part of the, the radiologist's pay. Sure. And that, that's a very involved question. And so, like Zeke does very well in his, his lecture, I'm going to break that down into probably a, a much simpler example, uh, because there's different ways that people interact with the healthcare system. And it depends on if you're an inpatient at a hospital, if you're an outpatient at a, at a hospital, uh, or if you're being treated in a physician's office. And those those interactions and payment processes are all different. So let's look at a really simple example, uh, but it illustrates the, the, the core principles of where it comes from. So we're going to talk about the process of payment, and then we're going to talk about how those payments are, are derived. Uh, and I think that breakdown can, can help us understand because we need to understand both. But if we get a global view of the process, it makes the actual technical details of the the dollar, the arriving at a dollar value, a little bit easier to understand. So let's back that up and, and take a, a simple example. And say you need a knee MRI because you injured yourself playing on the weekend. So your physician will refer you to, say, an outpatient imaging center. After the administrative staff at that imaging center authorizes the study with your private insurance company, then you can get scheduled for that exam. Once you get the imaging exam, and a radiologist interprets the study, then a claim will be submitted to your insurance company. And now that claim will be paid based on the contracts that either the imaging center 
or the referring physician have with your specific insurer. And those, both of those, the imaging center and the physician, can have different contracts with different insurers. And so all of those rates can be different. And that's one of the frustrations that people have with the payment process. But typically, these rates, even in the private market, are a multiple or a fraction of Medicare. And so once those payments are, are calculated, you come back to you as a patient may owe a portion of your deductible to either the physician or the imaging center, depending on the timing of those claims being submitted. And so that's the global process of how you get from having a study ordered, study performed, and then the payment process where the claims are submitted and the deductible payment is made. Uh, and now let's look at the how the dollar amount is arrived at through those contracts. And so the, the formula comes down to there's an RVU value for an EMRI, but to get to dollars, that RVU value has to be multiplied by what's called the conversion factor. And so if you think about the formula, it's RVU times conversion factor equals dollars. But the conversion factor has a lot of details that goes into it, and it's a value that's set by Congress. So a lot of inputs go into the conversion factor, including things like budget neutrality and other calculations. And so the RVU also has different components. And each of these components is addressed by the RUC process in Medicare. So there's the professional component. That's the physician's payment. There's the technical component or the so-called practice expense. That's the payment that goes to whomever owns the equipment that the study was performed on. In our example, the professional payment would go to the physician, the radiologist that interpreted the EMRI, and the technical payment would go towards the imaging center. And then there's a malpractice component to the RVU. And so each of those components, professional, technical, and the malpractice component, are multiplied by a, an index for geography, usually in and around one, uh, so to arrive at a total RVU value. And it's that total RVU times the conversion factor that ends up with dollars. So the conversion factor for this year, 2018, was $35.99. So a one RVU study would pay $35.99 on the professional fee for the physicians. The conversion factor in 1996 was actually $36 and change. And so if you account for inflation uh, just from 1996, the conversion factor should actually be about $55. And so most physicians uh, and everyone else has had a 50% cut in their reimbursements just based on inflation. But to, to bring it back around, to get to dollars, it's RVU, the RVU of that knee MRI times the conversion factor is what ends up at, at dollars. And that's the Medicare rate. And so your private insurance company is going to have a contract with your physician or your imaging center that's going to be either a fraction or a multiple of Medicare. And so you'll take that dollar value times that, and that's what the final payment will be for your outpatient knee MRI. Uh, fantastic. That's, um, breaks it down in a simple process that, uh, that even I understand. And so as a non-physician layperson, that uh, was really helpful. Uh, you have a pretty vast 
scope and breadth of, of, of understanding of all of this. Uh, and I imagine it's taken years uh, for you of learning and, and everything else, getting involved with the committees here at ACR and some other things to get to that point. And in fact, I think I remember we met probably about five years ago, one of the first RLI events. Um, and uh, so you have obviously been involved in a lot of this. Um, so I would just maybe ask, do you have advice for, you know, maybe residents, fellows, or even those uh, radiologists who are just starting out who are interested in or want to get involved in healthcare economics, um, if you have advice based upon your own experience, some of the things they might want to look at doing or, or, or courses or what they ought to be looking at if they want to go ahead and kind of say, take a similar uh, track that you've taken. Sure. Uh, the, I, I think it can be broken down simply as ask questions and be persistent. Uh, the, you know, there's, I guess I believe in the philosophy of asking for forgiveness, not for permission. And so I would recommend for residents or fellows, if you have an interest in the business of medicine or healthcare economics in general, talk to your department leadership or specifically talk to the administrative staff or the department manager, uh, your operations team. Talk to the coders and billers that work for the hospital or for your radiology department. Ask for introductions to key people. Ask to participate in meetings. So what's the worst that can really happen? They say no, but they know that you're interested. Fine. So even if they say no, I say, that's great. Keep asking. Uh, there's Your persistence will most likely be rewarded. And I think taking formal coursework, MBA courses, uh, RLI courses, and others is important because it gives you context and understanding for some large pieces. Uh, and I've done a a fair number of the RLIs, especially when I was in, in training, but the, you can't replace the real world learning. And that comes from learning how your department functions, how they deal with the coding and reimbursement issues. And they're going to be different at each department or in each practice and specifically across geography. Cause just like real estate, healthcare comes down to everything is local or slightly different. And so ask questions, be persistent. Now, the ACR has a lot of different options, whether in the resident fellow section or the young physician section. Uh, for example, there, there are fellowships in the ACR where people can gain some, some more detailed experience. For economics, that's the Moorfield Fellowship, where you spend two weeks with the ACR economics staff, uh, and then we can fast track you to participate on some of the committees. But the, you know, the Moorfield has limited spots. It's one or two a year. Uh, through the resident fellow section, there's also an economics advisory group. Now, Kyle Deal is the incoming chair of the ACR RFS economics advisory group. And I've worked with him to put interested residents on some of our committees in the reimbursement team. Uh, Mark Jamander is going to be joining us as we prepare for the next RUC cycle. And so this comes down to you just have to ask and ask and be persistent. Don't be annoying but be persistent. And so even I didn't get picked up by the RFS committees the first time around. Uh, I think a large part of the battle is just showing up. But when you do, you need to get the work done. So the best qualification, uh, and this is what it comes down to, there's a lot of, you can, no matter what your degrees are, no matter how many degrees you have, or what your specialty is, or what you practice in, or where you are, the best single qualification for getting involved in healthcare economics is just a personal interest in the topic. Great. And on a slightly related note, for any new radiologist that's coming into practice right now, 
again, based on the foundation that you really need to understand the economics of your business in order to help shape that business. What are some of the things that you would really, really strongly recommend all new radiologists coming into practice should know uh, at just at a base minimum level in order to uh, understand the economics and the business of the world that they're entering right now? Yeah, it's tempting to assign some some basic fundamentals, but I honestly think you can be successful going out not necessarily having a base uh, in business or finance. But what you really need is a willingness to learn uh, and to avoid making assumptions. And the you know we I think of physicians as you know our profession is being willing to learn constantly because things change. Uh, the, the next step of that is don't make assumptions. You know, people, anything to deal with money, people ascribe a lot of emotions to. Don't make assumptions on, on people's motivations, uh, their understanding, or others. Just be willing, be willing to learn. So volunteer in your practice. Uh, volunteer to be on committees. You should be the one that if somebody's asking for help, you, I recommend that you be the one that offers to help. You know, it's it's not always the showing up early, staying late mentality, but the willingness to learn and be there to work on it because you're going to have to make sacrifices to be part of the organization, but it's how you learn. And it gets down to that learning in the trenches, uh, I think, is critically important to becoming facile with any of these details or concepts. And so I believe in programming like the RLI and others because you need the context and you need the intellectual basis. But you also need to get there and get in the trenches and get dirty. And there's just two different types of learning, and I think you need both. But I wouldn't stop just with your practice, with your department, uh, or your company. Participating in your radiology and medicine organizations, uh, your state medical society, as well as your state radiological societies, that's a level of learning and participation that you need to know because it provides more details for me because everybody experiences different problems. And so if you rely on you individually or your practice or department experiencing each problem on your own, it's going to take you a really long time to learn. But if you participate in these organized societies, you can see, one, how other people within your specialty have, have dealt with or are dealing with uh, the problems that you can be reasonably expected to deal with, but also how your colleagues and other specialties are dealing with them across medicine. And so it's something that takes up time and it takes resources. Uh, but I think to, to, to have that global understanding and to be of more value in shaping the future of the practice, you need to have that variety in your exposure and understanding to make those, those more innovative uh, decisions or to just maintain the flexibility to deal with changes in the healthcare payment policy world. Great. Uh, Kurt, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, this is an incredibly informative session, and I know that a lot of people are going to glean a lot of information and insights. Um, and from you know ACR and, and everybody else involved, thank you so much for all the time. You put in a, an extreme amount of your own time in order to make sure that ACR is well represented um, on the ruck. And so thank you very much for, for your efforts there as well. Um, and thank you again for joining us today. Absolutely. Thanks for the invite. Enjoyed it.